So we are um, back in Philippians chapter 3, and we went through uh, the 11 verses uh, last week, and so we're going to pick up and um, uh, hopefully finish up the, uh, the next pass, uh, passage uh, to get us through the rest of the chapter. So um, I'm going to kind of take this in uh, chunks of scripture, and um, uh, kind of to walk through it, and uh, I think there are some passages that really uh, lend themselves toward um, uh, kind of getting the whole passage and let it make you think a little bit, and then respond to the passage. Uh, sometimes, you know, we'll go through verses and we'll kind of pick out like every little word in the verse, and and um, certainly these verses uh, we could we could do that with. But uh, I want to kind of take it in chunks and, and uh, just if anything kind of impresses you about a particular passage, uh, make yourself a little note and um, because I'm going to be uh, wanting you to help me apply this to us, right? Uh, so uh, uh, this, is, this is our class. It's not just one person's class. All right, beginning in verse 12. Paul says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me one of his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it on my own, but forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think me it should read if any one of you think otherwise but it says if anything you think otherwise God will reveal that also to you only let us hold true to what we have obtained now first of all it's worth talking a little bit when it says not that I've already attained this um, some passages already attained it well of course you have to look back to the previous verse to see uh, uh, what the reference is uh, verse 10 it says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, may share in his sufferings, become like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Now, of course, if you just looked at that one chunk, attaining the resurrection of the dead, it kind of, you would think, uh, achieving salvation. And, of course, the context would make you think of effort in achieving salvation. And we know that can achieve salvation by uh, our own efforts that's through grace as stated by Paul elsewhere so what is he talking about well um, it's this glorified state at the resurrection you know when we are perfect uh, and he's moving toward that he says I'm not there yet you might think of it in terms of full spiritual maturity might be one way to think of it and so there's 12 he says not that I've already obtained it or I'm already perfect Okay, so it kind of makes sense. You know, I haven't, I'm not, I'm not there yet either, but this is what I'm, I'm going to. Um, the way I kind of paraphrase this to myself, when it says, um, I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me one of his own, or it has made me his own, um, it's like, um, I'm grabbing old to this, this goal of Christ-likeness, 
I'm grabbing hold of that because Christ has grabbed a hold of me. Or recognizing that Christ has grabbed a hold of me and this is what I'm grabbing a hold of as well. The, it's the same word um, for both of those things. In Greek, it's kind of a wordplay thing that, that Paul was trying to make the point. I press on to make it my own because Christ has made me his own. Uh, that's the, the thing there. Um, and then he calls up this uh, visual of uh, an athlete in a race. I press on toward the goal. We've heard this verse. Uh, some commentators picture like a foot race. Some picture um, a chariot race. Uh, but some sort of a race where it's all about looking ahead. And then he says, which I think is the most funny verse in the whole uh, passage, um, verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way, and if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Uh, my paraphrase is that, um, now this is going to make sense to you if you are a spiritual grown-up. Therefore, if it doesn't make sense, I guess you know what that means. <laughs> but God will reveal it to you eventually. Um, so I, I just think that's kind of funny. Um, kind of saying, you either agree with me, or you know, you just don't quite get it yet. Um, which I think is just kind of funny. Um, almost uh, Donald Trumpish in a way. Um, so um, just a little bit blunt, and I'll apologize to Paul later. Um, so, um, so think about that. This, here we've got this passage uh, pressing on uh, the visualization of an athlete striving for the, the prize. Um, what is this prize? The, the goal for the prize at the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The, what, what you're shooting for is this maturity, this Christ-likeness. Um, not that it is attainable, but that's what we're shooting for. And um, perhaps the most famous phrasing, forgetting what lies behind, straining forward to what lies ahead. Uh, in terms of um, uh, kind of a simple way that, that you might organize uh, this passage, this whole chapter, uh, might even be worth a, a, a margin note in your Bible. You know, last week we had the... Uh, the visual of Paul as accountant, right? It was, I'm counting this as loss, I'm counting this as gain, Paul the accountant. Here, and of course, you know, like commentators, I guess like pastors, like the, uh, the alliteration where you start the same thing with the, the same letter. Uh, here we have Paul uh, as athlete. And then finally, we'll look in the last couple of verses of the passage, Paul as alien. So uh, accountant, athlete, and alien. Not a bad way to break up the passage, and, and you'll see that as we go forward. Verse 17, brothers, join in imitating me, and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you, and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction, their God is their belly, and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. Brothers, join in imitating me. 
So he's saying, watch me and watch those who have watched me. Watch me and watched and watch those who have watched me. Instead of looking at these other people, right? So he, he gives you the positive. I want you to watch me and watch those who have watched me, who are my, you know, the other Christians there among your, among your fellowship. But don't follow these other people. Um, it says, I now tell you even with tears. Um, it's probably a valid uh, assumption that Paul wouldn't be moved to the point of tears if these were outsiders that were causing this trouble. These were probably people who had professed Christ to one degree or another, but yet probably these Judaizers, like we've talked about before, that wanted to pull people back in to the old way of doing things. This, um, this reference, um, their God is their belly. Some, people, uh, some translations say their God is their stomach. Um, several commentators saw this as a, <clears throat> excuse me, as a reference to the uh, Jewish dietary laws. You know, it was all about what you ate, what you didn't eat, how much you were giving up, that sort of thing. So uh, they were putting that as their God. And, and he says they glory in their shame. Their minds set on earthly things. And this harkens back to what we talked about last week where Paul says, you know, I've done all that. I've been the righteous, quote unquote, guy. I've, I've been a Pharisee of Pharisees. I know how to, I'm a rule keeper. I know how to do that. And um, he's saying, you know, these people, that's, that's what they're doing. You know, and they're, they're glorying in something that they should be ashamed of. Don't watch them, all right? Don't, don't hold them up as your example. Uh, that's not what you should be doing. Um, I think it was um, uh, Philip Yancey who said that um, if we if we were back in Jesus' day, if people like us were back in Jesus' day, we would probably be the Pharisees, right? Pharisees were in church a lot. They were really trying hard. Uh, they were. Uh, did my battery go out? I'm feeling good. It's it's this battery. Um, uh, we would be the Pharisees. We would be the ones that were the rule followers. And I thought that was an interesting observation because, and and a bit of a warning that. If we're not careful, we could fall into that sort of where we feel good about ourselves because of what we do. And we feel good because of what we accomplished. And, and that's great, but not really, right? Uh, that's not how the accounting should go, right? Um, it's about not what you've done, but what has yet to be done. And the goal isn't checking spiritual boxes, right? This is not a talk about spiritual disciplines. There's good things about spiritual discipline, but that's not where, that's not where you get your... Um, it's just not the goal. It's like a, a means to an end. It's not an end in itself, right? You remember um, 
as a as a kid and growing up in church there were all the little boxes literal boxes to check right you know giving attended sunday school made a visit you know there were literal boxes to check well that was not that wasn't the that's not the game right that that wasn't that wasn't the goal boxes that was just a way to establish the practices that would get you to the goal but it was so much easier just to focus on whether you check the boxes and you, you guys see how this could go bad so saying don't you know that's not what this is about um, keep your eyes on the prize all right you taking notes I want to hear your comments in just a minute it is true that we learn best by example um, whether we want to or not really right someone made the observation that even the kid who maybe grows up and says you know I hate my dad but can say that so often and they're focused on their parent that they hate quote unquote that they actually become like that because that's who they've been watching that's where their focus was it's just not a good thing all right verse 20 but this is a really good but but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior the lord jesus christ who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him to subject all things to himself Therefore, my brothers, whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm thus in the Lord, my beloved. Um, our citizenship is in heaven. If there's ever a time to remind us of that, this is it. The word citizenship there is essentially the Greek word politics. All right? Our politics is in heaven. Our citizenship is is in heaven um, that's the thing and it says from it we await a savior the Lord Jesus Christ who will transform our lowly body uh, Jesus is coming to us from heaven um, I'll shift a, a little bit um, pastor uh, uh, and uh, writer uh, N.T. Wright in uh, Thomas Wright uh, I think he's Anglican I've quoted from him before but he does a, a really I think good way of getting the context of this uh, in this whole citizenship thing um, which that was this kind of civil terminology was very important not only in the Roman era but the Greek era as well of course listen to the way he explains this we are citizens of heaven Paul declares in verse 20 at once many modern Christians misunderstand what he means we naturally suppose he means and so we're waiting until we can go and live in heaven where we belong but that's not what he says and it's not what he means if someone in Philippi said we are citizens of Rome they certainly wouldn't mean so we're looking forward to going to live there 
being a colony works the other way around. The last thing the emperors wanted was a whole lot of colonists coming back to Rome. The capital was already overcrowded and underemployed. No, the task of the Roman citizen in a place like Philippi was to bring Roman culture and rule to northern Greece to expand the Roman influence there. But supposing things got difficult for the colonists, supposing there was a local rebellion or an attack by the barbarians, whatever, how would they cope? The best hope would be that the emperor himself, who was after all called, come from Rome to Philippi to change their present somewhat defenseless situation, defeat their enemies, and establish them as firmly and gloriously as Rome itself. The emperor, of course, was the ruler of the whole world, so he had the power to make all this happen under his authority. You see the parallels there? I mean, I think that's it's certainly a, a very uh, interesting take on this, that uh, our citizenship is in heaven, but it's a twist. Um, not that we want to just stop what we're doing and be transported to heaven, but that, like the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come to earth, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So the whole goal is not for us to necessarily escape as soon as possible, but to bring heaven to earth as completely as possible. We talk about kingdom work, right? Kingdom-hearted believers. you got to establish, so that's, part of what we're partnering um, with Christ about. A um, little bit interesting take, and you guys may have a different take on that as well. So, accountant, athlete, alien, and if you can think of a word that starts with the letter A that talks about us being good examples, um, I think we can pencil that one in too. I think the commentators kind of whiffed on that one, but um, I think that's those are the big concepts uh, here. So, uh, anything come to mind as we just kind of walk through these verses? Paul right. very deep 
dear, dear lady who is an African-American that went to church, and there I did, and I would pick her up and take her to church. And I never, ever heard her have a grouchy word about anybody or anything. And one Sunday, she came out, and she sat down in the car, and she was clearly agitated. And I said to her, Neighbor, what is wrong? She said, I didn't get nothing out of Sunday school this morning. I just feel so dumb. And I said, what do you, what do you mean, dear? Well, Sunday school, our teacher spent a lot of time talking about the Greek and what it means, but almost to the point where we felt like the Pharisees. Okay, we were being taught by the Pharisees. The, the law was more important than the heart, okay? And she said, I don't understand any of that. I just know that I loves my Jesus and he loves me. And I said, Mabra, bless your heart, you know more than any of us do. And I, I will take that to my grave and she took it to her grave and I dearly loved that woman. And I thought, you know, you nailed it. That's all there is to it. It's important to understand and to know. But the most important thing is that lady knows in her heart that she loves Jesus and he loves her. Anybody else? Uh, thinking about this whole idea of modeling and, and so forth, um, D.A. Carson said in his commentary, quote, Brothers and sisters in Christ, we are called to emulate worthy Christian leaders. We are called to be worthy Christian leaders whom others will emulate. God help us. Um, you know, that's kind of what you were saying, Tim. You know, God help us. Um, uh, yeah. Interesting. Um, depending on how you take it as you walk through this passage, this could be kind of a, kind of a hard passage. Uh, I picked up Chinese the other day, and you know, they always throw the fortune cookies in there, and you have to take the fortune out so you don't chew the paper. Um, so there was one that, that I thought was interesting. It says, well done is better than well said. And uh, I said, okay, well, that's kind of interesting. And um, it, that came to mind because in a way, if you read this passage, it almost brings to mind the James 2 passage about faith and works. Because on the one hand, Paul is saying, look at all the stuff I've done, and I count all this as lost. But then he spends the second half saying, you guys better keep trying. So, I mean, part of me wants to say, well, which is it, Paul? Which is it? Are you saying that it's all about the trying? Are you saying it's not all about the trying? Right? Does anybody else grapple with that? Yes, 
the balance there is between orthodoxy, right teaching, or right right words, right, right. orthodox. This is orthodox teaching. You're doing a great job with orthodoxy. And orthopraxy. And orthopraxy, which is right behavior. And those two things can't be one without the other. You can't just have as said, you can't just have orthodoxy without the heart and without the agenda. But you can't have right behavior without the heart either. And you cannot have right teaching without the action. You can't have the action without the right teaching. They are interwoven. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, that's exactly right. You know, faith without works, right? We understand what James is talking about. Um, but I, I think uh, I think it is um, good to remember both of those things, and also I think a part of it has to do with what your goal is. That kind of helps clarify it for me. Is my goal at how I'm going to achieve position or power or even maybe an improved self-image, if that's my goal, that's not the goal. Right? Truly, all of that is rubbish. Right? Like we talked about rubbish last time. Um, but if my goal is becoming more Christ-like, then yes, I should keep striving toward that. All right? Yes, I should keep pushing toward that. Um, so I think that's the way to, to think through that. Anybody else? Any thoughts? All right, could you enlarge a little bit on the last part of verse 13? I think it applies to me and maybe others. Yeah. Getting what is behind and straining. So... Uh, you guys been following the story of Jordan Spieth? You know who Jordan Spieth is? So Jordan Spieth is this uh, 21-year-old golfer out of Texas who did what only a handful of other golfers have done this year, and that is when uh, the Masters and then the U.S. Open, and he had a shot, a very good shot at winning uh, the Open Championship, uh, in Britain uh, to do the Grand Slam. Uh, when he was playing the U.S. Open out in California, on the 16th hole of the last round, uh, he was up by about three strokes on his nearest competitor. The 17th hole, he double bogeyed and he came to the 18th hole, and it wasn't looking good at all. <coughs> he went ahead, finished out the 18, actually made a birdie on the 18th hole. The guy behind him, Dustin Johnson, had a chance to win the whole thing on the last hole of the championship, and he missed it. If he putted again and made it, he would have tied, and he missed it. He put it the third time and wound up losing the championship to Jordan Spieth by one stroke. But if Jordan Spieth hadn't made that birdie on the last hole, he wouldn't have won. He had to totally forget about the double bogey he made on the 17th hole, totally put it out of his mind, 
and just putt like he was on the practice green on the 18th hole. We cannot let ourselves be encumbered by our past. Between foot race and chariot, I kind of like the foot race because I can picture in my mind this forgetting what lies behind. I can picture taking off anything that's going to weigh me down, setting aside that. And I think very often our past does kind of weigh us down. Um, is there anybody in the room that wouldn't like a few do-overs? Or a few dozen do-overs? Right? Would love a few do-overs. Um, a ton of psychology is all about dealing with what was in the past because it's messing people up in the here and now. And that's given rise to these cliches, which actually, eventually psychology is going to wind up in the Bible. You see a lot of it. So a lot of psychology, what's it talk about? Being in the moment, being in the present, not being, not focusing too much on the past. Um, I had a person ask me one time, well, does, does my past define me? Well, for some people it might explain you. For some people it might inform you. For some people it might inspire you. For some people it might um, have, have uh, taught you something. But it doesn't have to define you in terms of what happens next. Paul had a lot he needed to forget, right? He could have, he could have gone and joined a monastery and done penance for the next ever how many years, out of guilt for all the people he had persecuted. They didn't do that. Forgetting what lies behind, straying forward, it was all about the next day for Paul. And I think that's an important thing. And I'm not sure, Mom, what you were, what you were thinking of. But to me, it's this, um, it's Romans 8, 28 in practice, Right? And we know for, that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. When do we know that things have worked together for good? It's that brief glance over our shoulder to see what God did with our past to make us what we are today. He gets the glory for it, right? Um, many of you may be growing up, there was a seminar teacher who did the big, uh, you guys have done the chalk art in the past, you know, and he, you know, just makes this, you know, you'll know who I'm talking about, Jane, makes this beautiful artwork and then takes the big black chalk and just all over it, essentially ruining the thing. And then, of course, by the, as he continues, by the end of the story, those big black marks have become the trunks of these beautiful trees that have filled in around the edges, showing that God can take even our mistakes and, and glorify himself by how he works through them. So, um, it is incredibly important to be able to forget some things. I think the word straining in my translation is significant. Because when you're trying to do that, you are straining, little by little, sifted. I'll buy that. I was thinking, too, though, there's another side of that coin. Sometimes Always. When I think about that Paul is saying, he can rest on his successes. He's had plenty of those as well. But he's saying, you know, I haven't achieved what 
what my goal in Christ is. I, I forget that. I could rest on my world, but I'm pressing on. And, and I think we, I have the tendency to say, well, you know, especially I think maybe as you get older, well, I've already done that. I've already achieved that. You kind of let yourself slide a little bit. Or you say, that's enough. I'm there. I, I'm where I need to be. I'm tired. I've done that. It's a fight. I'm tired of fighting the fight. But I'm going to press on. I think that's great. Let me close, close with this, just a little bit a counterpoint to what you're talking about, Bob. Um, this past year, I, we were truly blessed in our practice to add two young Christian physicians to our practice. A large part of this year has been them coming to ask me questions. They are more recently trained than me. There are some things they know a lot more than me. But they were still asking me a lot of questions. A couple times I've asked them some things, too. It works both ways. But, um, you know, they were like, I'm sorry I have to ask you this, but... Well, I told them, I said, look, if, if you know everything now that it's taken me 23 years to learn, then that doesn't say much for what I've learned over the last 23 years, right? I hope I'm a better doctor now than I was 23 years ago. And I'm sure people have given me a fair amount of grace for that. And I've learned a lot along the way. <clears throat> I hope I'm moving forward continually in that. Um, I don't know what um, God has in mind for elevation. Pastor Furtick's a young pastor, right? Uh, bring a lot of people to Christ. I've listened to him. Don't care much for his style. The gospel's in there. I hope he's a better pastor 20 years from now than he is today. I hope he learns from some of his mistakes. So I think we ought to be a fair amount of grace. So we don't be, not that you're doing this, but uh, it's okay to, to work on some things. Uh, but I don't want us to be too Pharisee-ish. And again, my apologies. Um, uh, so that we, um, we are all in this together, right? Uh, the church is a really big church, and it doesn't stop at these walls. And um, I hope that the people that, are, that um, are in these fields, whether it's the pastor yet to lead us, the pastors in our community, in our region, um, I pray that God continues to work on them the way that I hope he's working on me. Uh, all right, anything else? All right. Let's pray. Father, help us uh, to always remember what you did for us. To remember what you're doing in us. And Father, let us, let us be open to the Holy Spirit's leading. Father, I, I thank you for these folks that we can sharpen each other as iron against iron. And that perhaps the Holy Spirit can um, just quicken the things that you want us to remember um, let fade the things that where I've maybe not hit the right point, but that in all this that we could give you the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks, everybody.